Here we go again with another installment of Politics and Peeves with Jeffrey B., where I have real conversations with real people on real topics and have fun doing it. I'm your host, the man with more peeves than the Senate Republicans after the election, but less than President Trump four days after the election. This show was recorded on Saturday, November 15th, 2020. Today, I have no guests, just me talking to you on a few subjects brought about mainly from the past election and 2020 as a whole. Well, we now know who our president is, President-elect Joe Biden, despite the legal fights President Trump puts up. As my regular listeners know by now, I'm one of the last vestiges of a moderate, a dying breed, I must say, depressingly. I have many, many friends and family from both sides of the aisle and have come to some disturbing and funny personal conclusions. Social media, in particular, became a huge battleground for attacking, fighting, name-calling, personal bashing, and that was just in between family members. Now add strangers. Oh, holy hell. I have a friend that posts many, many, many memes about politics, and when I read one that I find particularly BS, or having no evidence to the accusation, or is an outright lie, I will post a comment in a calm way either repudiating the assertion or asking a question of proof or other evidence to support such a comment. His friends tend to go off at me like a ballistic missile strike, starting right off with a name-calling, sound familiar, but still no facts or proof, just rhetoric and assertions. These people have a right to say and believe as they wish. I don't harbor any ill will to my friend who also believes. I'm happy he votes and is involved. I just wish he would use actual facts figures, and evidence. But mostly, he just has accusations. These friends of friends have called me an idiot, a moron, un-American, and of course, how could I forget the hidden pedophile from my niece's friend because I did not agree with the pictures my niece posted about a candidate she opposed. And then, the many, many words I can't or won't use on the air. Why do people act this way? Maybe it's the fight-or-flight syndrome. Maybe too much testosterone. Maybe it's that medical issue called little penisitis. Let's face facts. No one likes to lose, and I understand that. I, many of us, grew up at a time where you play to win, period. You play hard because you want to be the top dog, numero uno, first place. We see this today as well. Maybe that's it. Even the current president makes that painfully apparent when he speaks and tweets. Maybe that's why. I've been talking with family and friends about not gloating about Biden winning to those that supported Trump. I explained to them that, don't you remember what it felt like in 2016 when you lost the election? That's how they feel now. By the winners rubbing in the win, that only makes things more difficult to get along. We are already long into tit for tat. And at some point, one side needs to stop. One side needs to be the bigger person. Well, party in this case. Why is it important, you may ask? Because we must try and heal this country. Fear, racism, white quote-unquote supremacy have come out from under the rocks they hid beneath for so long, waiting for the day that that rock would be kicked over and they would be free. 
Now, you may think I blame Trump for this, and you'd be right. Now, I'm not calling him a racist, as I do not know the man personally, nor his thoughts. However, his actions, tweets, and comments can lead a person to think so. Nevertheless, in his effort to build and appease some in his base, he has intentionally or inadvertently kicked over those rocks. And now we get to see that we have been, to put it mildly, less than stellar in being more accepting of others. Seems that we have a long way to go yet. On a similar but different topic, I find ironic, and to be honest, slightly amusing, that the people in 2016 saying suck it up buttercup and using the term snowflake at every turn to those that were upset about Trump winning are now whining about how unfair this election was and themselves being snowflakes. How the tides have turned. On a similar but different topic to the last, we as a country have done elections the same way for 240 plus years. Relatively short amount of time compared to many nations. So you would think we could handle a loss, but we obviously can't. We do this every four years. You don't like the current administration? In four years, vote them out. If by chance that does not work, it's a given they will be done in four more. Take that time to figure out where you went wrong and fight again. This country, my country, is ever-changing whether we like it or not. We've had good and bad leaders and survived. We've had good and bad laws and survived. We've had good and bad TV shows and survived. And we will continue to survive. Even if you think America's ending in the way you know it, that's all that is happening is the way you know it or want it to be. Some are terrified of change. But change does not mean the end of the world. Our first president had no party affiliation, of course, and we had a good back then. Our second president was a federalist. This party ended in 1801 with a small resurgence by opposing the 1812 war. The next four presidents came from the Whig Party, active in the middle of the 19th century in the United States, alongside the slightly larger Democratic Party. It was one of the two major parties in the United States during the late 1830s, the 1840s, and the early 1850s, and part of the second party system. Since then, we've had 19 Republican presidents, 15 Democratic presidents, now 16, a president like Biden. Now, this was me showing you the long way around how we've survived all the party politics through the years. So why are people freaking the blank out again? Or is it maybe still? Could it be what I said earlier about change? Maybe. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown. Where is Biden taking this? What changes will he make and how will it affect me? Now I want to bring up a topic that's been floating around forever, the Electoral College. I'll give you a little background first. It was started by our founding fathers on September 16, 1787. At that time, votes were for a president and a vice president, meaning the top vote-getter was the president, and the second most votes became the vice president. That must have been really fun. It was amended on June 15, 1804, the 12th Amendment. Starting with the 1804 election, the amendment replaced that system. Since 1836, statewide winner-take-all popular voting for electors has been the almost universal practice. 
Currently, Maine since 1972 and Nebraska since 1996 use the district plan, with two at-large electors assigned to support the winner of the statewide popular vote. Since 1836, 1836, folks, 184 years ago was the last change. Let me put this in this historical meaning. The last time the Electoral College changed, the Battle of the Alamo happened. Samuel Colt patented the first multi-shot revolver. The Constitution of the Republic of Texas was approved, legalizes slavery. Territory of Wisconsin was created. Arkansas became the 25th State of the Union. And Martin Van Buren was elected the 8th President of the United States. Are, Are you getting my drift here? Times have changed, and this amendment has not kept up with us. We need to find a better way where all states have their representation fairly, as well as the voters get what they want. I'd love to hear your ideas on it. Voter fraud. There's a hot topic. Do I believe there's rampant voter fraud? No. Is there voter fraud? Yes. It's been happening for decades upon decades, but not even close to the point what President Trump is attempting to convince people of. There is absolutely no evidence to the contrary. In fact, one of the latest claims from Erie, Pennsylvania on the 6th of November, I believe, has been debunked. Richard Hopkins made a claim that a postmaster in Erie, Pennsylvania instructed postal workers to backdate ballots mailed after Election Day. He even signed an affidavit on Friday. Well, Then he came clean on Sunday, saying he made the story up in another affidavit. Then, during a Pennsylvania court hearing this week on one of the many election losses brought by the president, a judge asked a campaign lawyer whether he had found any signs of fraud among the 592 ballots that they challenged. The answer was no. Every suit he has brought up has been tossed out so far as I understand it, at least, for lack of evidence. Even Republican governors, attorney generals, and voter registrars are saying there is no voter fraud on the scale that would change an election. In Michigan, Judge Cynthia Stevens dismissed one filing as, quote, inadmissible hearsay within hearsay, unquote. Hearsay within hearsay. What the hell is that? When the Trump lawyers appealed, the next court kicked the filing back as, Defective. Defective. I mean, come on, people. Can't you see this is a non-thing? He's doing it just for principle. And what principle is that, you might ask? Hell if I know. Should he have requested some of these recounts? Of course. Some of these races were very, very close and should be double-checked. Unfortunately, His ego is what's not wanting to accept he lost. And what he's doing to try and preserve his ego is a typical Trump trait. Attack those he feels wronged him. It makes no difference that he impugns all these workers, those in his party. All they're all wrong. He's right. Period. When I was asked about all these quote-unquote extra votes came from, Well, maybe the explanation is the additional 21 million voters, that's a rough estimate, that cast ballots over the 2016 election. Trump is partially responsible for how those votes got counted. 
By telling his base not to do mail-in votes and go to the polls, it caused a two-pronged response. Democrats already use the mail-in amnesty voting far more than Republicans do. And those that worried about being around possible confrontations at polling stations went vote by mail also. That in turn means Trump had an early advantage because the physical polling votes got counted first, followed by mail-in ballots and absentee ballots, which are predominantly Democratic voting, like I said. All because he knew mail-in absentee ballots would sink him. He's tried to convince people it was rigged. Besides, don't you think that if Democrats had this ability, they would have taken the Senate too? I mean, wouldn't you want a Democratic Senate in place as well to approve all the things you want to do instead of a Republican one that will fight you to the bitter end? Or how about what it would take to do the mass vote of fraud he's accusing people of doing? Can you imagine how many people it would take to make this supposed fraud happen? How many people from both sides of the aisle to pull this off? Every poll worker, every poll watcher, in every county, every governor, every attorney general, every registrar in all the states he's suing. And yet, not one suit held up. Not one piece of mass voter fraud. Now, after saying this, I realize I have to amend this statement. There has been one suit that was held up in a court in Pennsylvania. A judge ruled that the Secretary of State overstepped her authority when she allowed people three extra days to verify they were legally allowed to vote. The votes will not count. The no more than 2,100 votes of the 53,000-plus vote lead President-elect Biden has in Pennsylvania. Just Pennsylvania. This also does not mean there were voter fraud either. They just verified after the law allows. So yes, they should be nullified. So why is he fighting so hard? Why is he putting off the inevitable? Well, I think he needs time to plan to try and get him and maybe his family and swamp friends out of trouble when his presidency ends. Now, I have no evidence for this claim or accusation, but hell, if he can do it, so can I. This I find a little funny in a disturbing way. Every country's president or head of state has called Joe Biden congratulating him, except one. Would you like to guess who? I'll give you a few seconds. Do, 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 boom, boom. Answer, Russia, Vladimir Putin. Seems that he thinks the vote is fraudulent as well. Hmm, wonder why he has such a vested interest in this. COVID-19. Jeez, what a blight on society. Most of us are sick of being stuck at home or not being able to go out at all or very little. Face masks in public. It's all been a huge pain until I think of all those that have died or who have had loved ones die makes the rest of us only have small inconveniences in comparison. Yes, I do miss seeing my family and friends terribly, but I want them safe. That's another thing this pandemic is bringing to the forefront for those of us who are older, like me, family attrition. 
In the past six years, I've lost my mother, my aunt, my brother, a cousin, we all grew up together very close, and a nephew, and then let's fire in some friends too. So not being able to see my family and friends, in particular during this Thanksgiving Christmas season, is extremely disappointing and depressing. Because you just don't know if any of us will be around the next year. I know this may come across as a little morbid, but it is life and the pandemic is making it worse for so many. Knock on wood, all of my family is safe and doing well, including one niece that's a nurse in Los Angeles and a niece who's a teacher in Texas. And for that, I am extremely grateful. And I hope that your families are doing well too. Now, if someone could make a good mask, which does not fog up my glasses, that won't mess with my hearing aids, and is easy to put on and take off 2,000 million times a day, that would be great, please. More restrictions are coming from what I read and hear. How many? How long? Who knows? And already the hoarding has started. Between the media and social media, all talking about people making runs on stores, it makes more people go out and do the same. It's perpetual insanity 2.0. But y'all go ahead and make absolute fools of yourselves. Give me some more stuff to talk about on my show and other people's a good laugh on Facebook and other parts of social media. Go ahead, come to blows, threaten others all over toilet paper and paper towels. Some of you wonder why I prefer animals over many people out there. Thank God for my dog. Well, my friends, that's going to do it for now. I wish all of you here in the States a happy Thanksgiving. And in the three countries that listen to my show, I wish you a happy day in France, Ireland, and Germany. Excuse my ignorance for not knowing what you got going on. You can tell me if you'd like. Before I close, I have to give, of course, my joke of the day, or at least of the show, I should say. What is the least spoken language in the world? Answer? You know it? Sign language. But I'm bump. Well, other than the universal sign that we think we all pretty well know. Please feel free to tell people about my show. Pass it along to others that might enjoy it. Also, feel free to write me at politicsandpeeves at gmail.com or go to my website, politicsandpeeves.com. Again, spelled out, politicsandpeeves at gmail.com and politicsandpeeves.com, where you can leave me messages. Contact me either way with your questions, your comments, and I look forward to reading them. So until the next time, stay healthy, stay safe. Later, Gators.